Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Because he was soon to resign and become Lyndon Johnson's nominee for the U.S. representative to the ILO, the International Labor Organization, and he was resigned from Congress and was off to Geneva. Uh, to represent the U.S. in this organization. And, and I asked him, I said, Jimmy, wh- why would you resign? <laughs> and he said, because it takes 20 years to get anywhere in the Congress. It's a career. And so, uh, yes, uh, George Washington was correct, but the country has changed and the politics have changed. And today, if you want to get anywhere in politics, you have to be ready to put in 20 years um, and uh, as a result, we have a vastly different government. I would say one other thing, if I may. Yes. Back in the 1880s, the Congress used to make all the rules for the, and regulations for the railroads, for the tariffs, and they used to have to put in sweaty long hours determining exactly how much tariff would be paid on a ton of pig iron being brought in from another country in order to protect the American um, iron industry, etc. Well, in about 1880, uh, the Congress decided that was way too much work for them. They would have to spend <laughs> more time in hot, sweaty Washington in order to get through this enormous detail. And so they created the Interstate Commerce Commission. The Interstate Commerce Commission was the one that set the railroad tariffs. And as soon as that change was effectuated within the government, the railroads soon realized that if they owned the bureaucrats who were now making the rate decisions that would affect their profits, their routes, uh, the material they could cover, how many trains they could run, it's the, everything about railroads, they uh, started on a path that we are still on today, in which the lobbyists and the uh, bureaucrats have control of the mechanism of government. So we have come a long way from Mr. Washington. I always say this, Donna, uh, when people ask me about that. I say most of the reason we never teach the Constitution anymore is because the Constitution, God bless it, never mentions the two things that impact everything we do in this country governmentally, and that is politics and money. You can search that document all you like, but there is no mention of politics, political parties, or of uh, political factors involved in governance, and there is certainly no mention of money, other than that the uh, House of Representatives has to start a spending bill and that uh, both houses have to agree to it. But where the money comes from, how it is uh, developed, who gets to pay for most of it, uh, and the politics of that are not part of the Constitution, and therefore most teachers ignore it, and therefore I believe most citizens of the United States are ignorant of how their government actually operates. 
Amen to that. <laughs> We've got uh, so, now, 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 Godfrey, with 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 your book here, uh, you you've put a lot of time and effort into this. Um, how did you come up with this title for this book, Lobbycratic Governance? Well, I was trying to convey this uh, combination, this this synergism between the lobbyists representing large organizations and the senior bureaucrats to try to convey to the potential reader that our government is really not a uh, three-branch system as we are all taught in school. It isn't the two houses of Congress agreeing on a law that is then passed by a majority, or in some cases two-thirds, and presented to the president who has ten days to sign it or veto it and then sent back. And all this stuff that kids are taught in 10th and 11th grade and all this stuff they're expected to learn, I just smile. I used to teach it at UCLA, and I taught it again at Rutgers, and I never taught any of that stuff. I told the kids, hey, you don't have to learn all of that because it has no impact. It doesn't work (laughs) that way anymore. So forget that. Don't learn those details. Who cares? We've got uh, Donna Carol Voss joining us today here on our broadcast, DonnaCarolVoss.com. She is a frequent contributor to our broadcast here. Uh, Donna, I, I know you've got a couple more questions here for uh, for Godfrey about this book, and because uh, uh, you 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 talk about this these kind of topics on our program constantly. I do, and Godfrey, I have one other question, which is so timely. You bring up politics and money. And don't you find it interesting that the people Donald Trump is naming or picking, nominating, they are all majorly, majorly wealthy people of their own success. And so none of them need to come into government to make something you know, happen later, no networking. And none of them plan to stay in government because they're giving up quite a nice life to come into government. So what do you think of that? Well, I think mostly that uh, uh, all of them knowing how government works, because being at the head of these large organizations, Donald Trump lived and breathed with um, uh, building and safety departments in every city where he built something. And he had to deal with all those bureaucrats. And, and so I think all these guys coming in um, are just delighted at the opportunity to be uh, overseeing the bureaucrats and having an influence over how they see problems and those same guys who gave enormous sums of money to the organizations that are on the other side of that equation the lobbying groups um, so i think i think most of them are delighted to be at the center of the action they know where the action is that's why very few of them have even you have not seen a picture of any of the cabinet designees making the rounds of the various congressional offices. In the old days, that was the first thing they did. The Secretary of State would pay obeisance to the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee and then the Foreign Affairs Committee. He'd sit down with the uh, Appropriations Committee chairman and they'd mum-chum and he'd try and um, uh, make friends early. But that doesn't happen anymore because 
what these guys are admitting is that once you have confirmed me, uh, and that's a pretty foregone conclusion for nearly all of Mr. Trump's nominees, uh, I'm off doing what the government now does, which is ignore the Congress and legislation and works hard to find with their lawyers the way to uh, manipulate the existing uh, laws uh, to permit new regulations to be written to allow that politician to do what he wants to do. And I'm afraid the media hasn't caught on because what I'm describing is definitely not sexy. Um, I'm talking about the nitty-gritty, grinding, uh, everyday activity that makes government work. And it's not flashy. It doesn't amount to a speech. Uh, and so Mr. Trump, I believe, will keep them all busy with tweets at 3 a.m., and they'll all write about that, and they'll <laughs> mum-chum over what that means and whether the Chinese will get excited. And um, I am sure the ambassadors in Washington will say, keep your eye on the ball, not on the tweets. So true. And I, I was thinking today, I don't think there's anybody in the Obama administration who has actually ever achieved anything in the private sector. They're all thinkers and policy wonks and, you know, academicians. So really you're, abso you're absolutely right, because uh, I think we did a, um, uh, that's part of the book. We, we devote uh, maybe 10 pages to the, the, the Obama cabinet. And I think the only one is Mrs. Pritzker as uh, um, uh, Secretary of Commerce has the kind of substantial business experience, but she wasn't, she never ran the Hyatt Hotel chain. She was just the owner of the Hyatt, uh, and a very wealthy woman, and very accomplished, but not in uh, the business sense that you're talking about. They are all policy wonks. They all have come from the administration, um, and uh, I'm afraid that uh, that pattern and, and it will will continue among the Democrats. They a little, a little bit like people without children telling parents how to parent. They have no idea what they're talking about. Exactly. That's a very good analogy. I think that's that's right on. We've got Godfrey Harris with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast. And uh, Godfrey, how, how do we get a hold of the book? How, how do we? Uh, Get a hold of you because I know that uh, uh, Don is in the process right now of uh, of, of writing a uh, an, an amazing follow up to uh, her book and some of the things you're talking about uh, definitely are, uh, the easiest, are, are the easiest way to get the book is it's available on Amazon. You go to Amazon and you put in lobbycratic governance. Uh, and nobody else has that name, you will see uh, the book. And it's, it's not expensive. It's worthwhile. Um, it opens a lot of eyes and possibilities to people who are interested in making changes in the way our government works. Um, 
I'm uh, out here in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, I have another appointment that not, I not not a problem. To. We were just getting ready to dump you off the phone, my friend. Oh, I I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, Godfrey Harris with us today here on our broadcast. And uh, uh, Donna, before we let you go, uh, g- g- give give us give us your thoughts uh, on there on uh on 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 Godfrey and uh, and and some of the things he was talking about. Well, I'm just about to look up his lobbycratic governance. <laughs> I love that word, lobbycratic. And I, I just think that's awesome. I, I'm interested to see what else he has to say. And uh, your, your book is coming along nicely. Uh, give, us, give us an update and some details. Okay, so now Don't Unfriend Me is a Twitter account and a Facebook page. And anyone who is interested in the progress of the book or the deep dives as we're calling them can just follow us on those pages and it's very exciting very very exciting in fact just today i was finishing up the sanctuary cities piece which you think you know about sanctuary cities until you study them and you realize nobody knows about them they're just confusing a big jigsaw puzzle on steroids very very confusing very confusing well uh i appreciate it we've got to run along but uh we will talk to you uh in in two weeks because next week i will not be uh on the air because we'll be in las vegas for the uh for the porn awards but uh <laughs> i will i will talk to you the following week my friend yes <laughs> i appreciate it and we'll talk to you the following week thank you donna appreciate it Donna Carol Voss with us today. That is that. We're going to take a brief timeout. Here's the best three minutes of our election coverage. Always, always trust a man named after our country. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.